Hey everybody, welcome back to another Bald Move Pulp. This time we are uh, continuing, actually we're finishing our little uh, mini-series on 1980s slash early 80s, I guess, badasses of cinema. Uh, we're closing things out with, I don't know, the fourth head of Mount Rushmore. I guess there'll be some debate uh, on, on our Twitch show uh, when we properly put everyone in their in their their correct badass rankings. We're talking about Under Siege 1992. This is widely considered to be the high watermark, uh, the predator, if you will, of one Steven Seagal's action movie career. And it's clear it's his, his best reviewed. Uh, I'm not sure if it's his most successful in terms of financial, but I know it's the, the biggest uh, hit in terms of critical success, such as it is. Um, it, it was directed by Andrew Davis, uh, who has directed the family film uh, Disney's Holes, uh, the action uh, drama The Fugitive, uh, and another Seagal film, Above the Law, his first his debut performance. is written by J.F. Lawton, who also has the screenplay for Pretty Woman, uh, Under Siege 2, Chain Reaction, a Keanu Reeves nuclear physicist heist kind of movie. Uh, it stars Steven Seagal, actor, producer, writer, martial artist, musician, amateur sheriff. Uh, he's, he's featured in Above the Law, Hard to Kill, Mark for Death, Out for Justice, On Deadly Ground, Executive Decision, and a ton of direct-to-video shit. So we'll probably end up talking about Tommy Lee Jones, the main villain in this film. Uh, you'll know him from uh, his craggy ass face, although it's a lot smoother in his early 40s in this film. Uh, he's also in The Fugitive, Cold Miner's Daughter, Batman Forever, Men in Black, etc. Gary Busey is in this film, uh, who you might recognize from being a crazy person at large and also on Lethal Weapon, Predator 2, Point Blank. Uh, Erica Eleniak, Miss July of Baywatch fame, an actual. Miss July of Playboy 1989 fame. Colm the Meanie Meanie. Uh, uh, you probably know him best as Chief O'Brien on Star Trek The Next Generation. Glenn Morshower, or maybe Shower, who is uh, Secret Service agent Aaron Pierce on 24. And Raymond Cruz. Everybody, every Bald Move fan knows Raymond Cruz. He's very tight, tight, tight oh, in yeah. Breaking Bad. Also had memorable parts in Clear and Present Danger. Training Day, The Rock. Jim, I think this is your first time seeing this movie, right? Yeah. It is. Uh, this is this is my second time. I, I got a wild hair to watch this last year in the pandemic and had a real ball with it. I'm curious about what you think of Steven Seagal's finest action film. It's certainly his finest. I mean, look, I'm no uh, Steven Seagal fan. I've seen very few Steven Seagal movies. Most of what I've seen was like sneaking into the living room when I was a kid while my dad was watching this type of movie. Uh, I got a lot mm-hmm. of Chuck Norris that way. I got a lot of Charles Bronson uh. that way. Uh, and Steven Seagal was one of those guys. So I, I haven't seen a lot of Seagal's body of work. Uh, I know him mostly from his iconic look, which he doesn't have in this movie. Uh, conspicuously, he's missing the ponytail. No ponytail. Uh, and so I wasn't expecting much going in because I've always thought of him as kind of the, the third string you know, maybe fourth string here on Mount Rushmore, uh, badass. Sure. And I've never been super interested in his catalog. So watching this, I was like, all right, buckle in. This is going to be shitty. I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. I think th- while this is not as good as some of the other action movies of the late 80s, mid 90s, it holds up pretty well. Um, 
you can pretty easily compare it to like The Rock or Die Hard. I think a lot of people did compare it to Die Hard, uh, essentially Die Hard on a boat. And I don't think it's as good as either of those movies, but it's close enough to where if you squint, you can kind of see where Steven Seagal might have become really, really big if he had continued making movies like this or if he was more charismatic and, you know, he doesn't have the presence, the screen presence of somebody like Bruce Willis or Nicolas Cage or Sean Connery. Right. None of that. It's not Mm -hmm. even close. Uh, and those movies, no. you know, while the plot is interesting um, and the plot is part of what you like about those movies, mostly it's watching the super charismatic characters do away with the bad guys. And this has like most of that, but it doesn't get all the way there for me. Yeah, he does have several notches of charisma that he's missing. Like some of these line deliveries are shocking. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> wow, not, not, I mean, they're. They're not the worst I've seen, but it's just clearly kind of like, hey, we got that in one, right? All right, all right, let's break for roast beef. You know, it's uh, yeah. where it's like he got the wrong emphasis or he changed like uh, the tone of voice in the middle of a line or forgot his line and trailed off and tried to hide it as like Rybeck doing some kind of calculation of missiles. I, I don't know. I, I just there was like at least a half dozen things where I'm like, really, that was the best take. Yeah. Um, but, you know, here's the thing. Steven Seagal is let, let, let's talk about Steven Seagal because this is ostensibly okay. a, a celebration of badasses. And we talk about him being like, you know, second, third, fourth banana tier, clearly under your Stallones, your yeah. Dwayne Johnson's, your Arnold Schwarzenegger's. Is he, you know, the, I guess the question in my mind is, is he above or below Jean-Claude? <laughs> and uh, I guess I haven't seen enough of his body of work, but like this, I think, is a better movie than. Jean-Claude's best movie, Universal Soldier. Uh, I think it's it's a more I don't know. Is it a more serious movie? I can't I can't even tell. Uh, I don't know how serious I people do. were trying to take Universal Soldier. It's silly. Right. In a lot of ways. But I think they were trying it's to a take science it fiction film versus just versus a political like a, I guess you'd call this a political thriller kind of because it's kind of sort of ripped from the headlines. There is a lot of yeah. it's inspired by a lot, a lot of real world events like I guess the disastrous seal raid in Panama that led to a lot of operatives being killed is a real thing that they're like grounding in mm-hmm. history. The disarmament of these battleships was also a real thing kind of yeah. going on contemporaneously. Um, it felt, I don't know, it felt more seriously and, and gra- serious and grounded than undead yeah. Vietnam super soldiers, you know, for sure. Uh, here, here's what I can say definitively. Having just watched it last week, this movie is better than Bloodsport. And I consider Bloodsport to be like the iconic Van Damme movie. Mm-hmm. It, but I still like Bloodsport way more than this movie. Huh. Okay. This movie feels uh, like somehow generic because I've seen so many movies like this. Well, uh, you're not wrong. Like you said, this is Die Hard on a Boat. That's literally kind of like it was it's it's ta- unofficial tagline. Right. And I found in my research that uh, Die Hard 3 was going to be John McClane getting away from everything with his wife on a cruise ship. And what do you fucking know it? It gets taken over by terrorists. What is with this man? He should never be allowed to take a vacation. Right. Uh, the producers of this movie, when they were in, um, uh, you know, pre-production, this movie came out and they're like, well, fuck, we can't, you know, we, we can't, this is going to be, this is going to look like a cheap ripoff. Uh, right. 
So it does. It's it's you know like uh, every man. Although it's not like this guy's a highly trained Navy SEAL operative. He just happens to be a cook because of some political bullshit that happened mm-hmm. in the past. Um, and you know, the movie has massive hints about like, you know, when this guy finally busts out his meat locker, it's going to be something, you know, the, the, the captain's making oblique references to how many medals he's got and he's on a first name basis with the commander of this boat. Um, it's, I don't know. It's got a lot going on. And I, I, what do you think about Seagal himself? Because like, I don't want to get meta with him just yet because the man's a piece of work, Mm -hmm. um, by all accounts, but as an action star, He's he's big. He's legitimately a big guy. Uh, he is an actual martial artist of some renown. Like mm-hmm. he has got uh, uh, ironclad credentials. He's what a seventh Dan Aikido guy. Uh, he owned his own. He's like the first Westerner to own and operate a dojo in Japan. Uh, he's got lots of like verified tournament wins and and, and stuff. Uh, I think he looks good when he's moving, um, mm-hmm. especially for a big guy. You know, he's actually getting low and like crawling between counters and stuff. Um, and when the combat starts, he doesn't really embarrass himself. I but but the editing like I, I, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to hide like Tommy Lee Jones not knowing what to do with a knife or his hands in a fight. But like I felt like every time yeah. I started settling in like, oh, yeah, man. Steven Seagal is going to just just beat these guys senseless. It was just all ruined in the editing. Yeah, the thing is, Aikido's not a particularly flashy martial art. You're right? right. It's all about like joint manipulation and using people's momentum against them and taking people down in like one mo- motion. And it's like super judo. Yeah. You're not going to get the flying kicks of blood sport, right? The spinning split kicks, uh, flying roundhouses, that shit. So it's not as much fun to watch inherently. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the editing was okay on this because I, I don't know. I saw him do a couple of Aikido moves I thought were cool. Like when he grabs somebody's wrist and he yep. like flips them over, basically just using momentum and joint stuff. Uh, yep. That's cool. But they don't ever linger on it, right? They don't. They don't give you enough of it to feel satisfied. See, I, I thought that the, the the way to go, and I, I don't want to talk shit about uh, Andre Davis because he's also directed probably, you know, I, I don't. Know, I think for my money, it's probably Predator. But like in terms of like box office success and Academy Award recognition, it's hard to argue against The Fugitive for like a well directed action mm. thriller, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, I feel like you got the base level coolness of the Aikido stuff and you, you should shoot that full frame, full motion, like having to throw like three guys in a row and then spice it up. You know, he's a demolitions expert. So he's got improvised explosives. He's got, you know, the, your, some stock stuff or Steven Seagal probably can't throw a throwing knife worth the dam. Uh, you know, he's not, not anything special when it comes to marksmanship, but like you, you throw those in with the quick cuts, but like, I wish there was a couple of scenes where we really got to see him like clean the floor with four or five, six simultaneous attackers. Things I've seen him do as like a, as a, in his, like, I've seen a a clip of like 27 year old Steven Seagal, like Mm -hmm. fighting six dudes simultaneously in a, in a, in a ring and just like, yeah, the second they lay a hand on his gi, they are fucking upside down and backwards on the floor. Yeah. Like, it's just like so fucking quick and fast. And it's genuinely impressive. Uh-huh. Um, they, well, I they don't have there the was a space couple of to do that. Like, they needed to get him up on the deck where he could do yeah. some of that stuff because it's st- but sitting if in the up on the deck. There's like 16 snipers that would get his ass, right? <laughs> right. So, like, you, you might be right that they just can't get 
like, but man, I wish, I wish they could have staged something in like, uh, the ship's lounge that le- seemed like it was pretty, pretty large or the yeah, galley yeah. area. Um, something like that, because that's I what big, I think this film cried out for that, 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 the dance hall or whatever the hell room that was yeah. on the ship. They could have right, done right, something right. cool there. And yeah, you're right. They just I'm don't saying. do it. Um, but it's too bad because I think that ultimately, um, low, cause otherwise he's just, uh, I mean, he's got decent amount of quips, but they're not delivered with a, with maximum panache and charisma. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing that is shocking about this film is this movie is about an hour and 45 minutes. And according to IMDb, Steven Seagal is in it for 42 minutes. Less time than uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Less, less screen time than Tommy Lee Jones. Um, that's interesting too. That like this guy's high water mark action film is the one that's got the least Steven Seagal in it. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that says something, doesn't it? Yeah, but like I do think that like this guy could have had this because he's a, like I said a big hulking. You know, the other thing that sets a Steven Seagal apart, um, and and uh, this really once once this was pointed out to me, I couldn't help but notice it. Um, his style of action movie is like, he's almost like a Jason Voorhees. He just like strides through the film and no one lays a finger on him. Uh, this film, yeah. he actually gets lightly fucked up by, I don't a know, hook? grappling hooks or something. Yeah. yeah, he gets, um, but in most movies, this, and this is in contrast to every other film I've seen, like the defining thing of an Arnold Schwarzenegger is him getting beat almost the piss out of him. And then he w- fights back. We saw, uh, Jean-Claude last week, you know, he gets the pixie dust blown in his face. He's getting his ass kicked, but he overcomes Rocky. <laughs> Rocky yeah. Like yeah. takes him, takes the, like the first two Rockies are just him absorbing a maximum amount of punishment and just not ever going down. Yeah. Steven Seagal like, in his movies, uh, I've seen two since then under siege two and, uh, hmm. I can't above remember which of these other nameless ones. No, it wasn't above the, I need to see that, the first one. It's one of those. Maybe it's executive. Nah, but anyway, like he he's he's known of like he just doesn't have these adversities. He is never no one ever gets to drop on him. And even in this film, when he does, like someone gets to drop on him and he's just like never takes it seriously and is instantly sprung out of the situation. I mean, that's the Aikido uh, dream, right? That like nobody can even lay a hand on you because mm, when they do, the hand is twisted backwards and they're just up that in the fast air and down the ground. And, yeah, the harder they hit you, the more momentum they're giving you to work with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it does make for a pretty one dimensional hero. If you I can agree. have any, you know, like like any any weaknesses are things that happened before the movie. And he's apparently internalized those lessons and is now perfect. Um, and I think that's that's a big missing component of the badasses. Badass like the what what is the point of being this big hulking brute if you can't take a punch or two, you know? You can't and, get stabbed and shot and just gut grit gut and grit your way through it. Right. That's what instantly to me makes it not as good as Die Hard because holy shit, there's a lot of that in Die Hard. Uh, and John McClane's just a dude, right? Like that's the the great He's thing just about a, him. Just He's a not police ex officer, Navy yeah. SEAL or anything. Uh uh-uh. uh Yeah, just a guy. Uh, and, and then I look at like you know JCVD and his very flashy way of fighting, and then I look at Seagal and. In this movie, if you take away like the bombs that he builds, which are numerous, he's like the murderous MacGyver in this movie. Uh, it, it would be incredibly boring, right? 
Like th- mm. there's no there's no extra stuff that they have to tack on to JCVD and Bloodsport or Kickboxer or anything. He's just a dude who can throw a wicked uh, flying kick and yeah, maximum that, flashy. Yeah, that carries him through the movie, right? Every time he does it, I'm like, yeah, I want more of that. Show me that again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seagal's like. Okay, I think I might have saw what he did there with some joint manipulation. That was kind of neat, but I I don't really like I'm not living for that in this movie. And then and they have to like add on this bomb thing to him right. that you don't need with like JCVD, right? Right, right. He's got a couple of Walter White scenes where he's just in it, he's just cooking some shit and you can tell it's going to make a big boom later on, but you're No, you're you're absolutely right. And that 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 weakness we talked about of him being like this not just stoic but just untouchable person uh might be down to his acting style because I've never seen this guy be anything other than smug prick and grim assassin. Like those are yeah. the two phases his face are stuck in. And we, we talked about like John Claude given like excellent karate face. Yeah. And like, you know, our Arnold's, you know, uh, cries of pain and facial distortions are legendary. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, fucking, uh, sure. of course, uh, Stallone yeah, and Rambo. Yeah. yeah. It's beat the fucking hamburger. <laughs> right. And without that, there's just like, yeah, there's no, this guy is just, again, he's like uh, Jason Voorhees, uh, only good uh, because the, the movie circumstances makes him that. Um, yeah, it does make you wonder if this movie maybe had more of a diehard uh, getting the shit kicked out of him element. And he just came in and said, nah, we're not doing that. It might be, but I don't because like I, I read a bunch of stuff where he supposedly has uncredited like script suggestions. But some of that stuff is contradictory. Like in one interview, he claimed to have created Erica Aleniak. I don't is that how you pronounce her name? The the Baywatch, the Baywatch so. babe. Uh that uh, he in, it added her as an insert to this like kind of like stripper turn commando as a comedic element to like give the the, the movie some some light comet comedic beats. But then in another interview, he claimed that he almost passed on the role because they had this bimbo and a cake stuff. It's like, so did you create this character or did you almost pass on the project because of, of the existence of this character? And like the more I read about Seagal, the more he's like. He he's a lot like the one guy we talked about. Uh, what was it, Frank um, uh, uh, Dukes? He's a lot more like Frank Dukes in that he's clearly full of shit on a lot of levels, but he actually has real world accomplishments that one could take pride in and are verifiable. Yeah, so yeah. he's got the same kind of like fabulous approach as Dukes, but he's got a little bit more kind of real world grounding in it. But hmm. yeah, like it doesn't seem like he's very well liked by the people who have worked with him. Oh no. Including stunt people. I know they have a lot to say about their relationship with Seagal. Yeah. Do we, so do we want to talk about that stuff up front or do we want to get back to the movie a little bit? Um, uh, yeah, let's talk about the movie. Cause, cause I'll say one thing right off the bat that I think elevates this movie is it's of a particular place. Like the fact that this takes place on a battleship and it's filmed extensively on an actual battleship, not the real Missouri or not even a real Iowa class battleship. This was filmed on the USS Alabama, who at the time was a museum ship moored to the side of a pier in Alabama. Hmm. They did a lot of like really extensive trickery that we can talk about to make, to make it look like this was out to sea and make it look like a ship that's 
a full third of its length shorter than the real Iowa class looks like an Iowa class. And they, they also had a lot of active, you know, stock footage of these uh, battleships at sea. So they could kind of cut, cut in between that. But like that elevates it a lot that, you know, this just looks like it's filmed on location because it is filmed on location. And there is like a, you know, there's, there's, there's a, there's a realistic quality to having a real submarine lashed to a real battleship. And you can, you can, you know, it's, it's on the water, um, I thought that stuff is really cool and it leads it, there's a lot of natural set pieces, lots of choke points and like defensive positions because this is a battleship and it's designed to, you know, to repel borders, I suppose. Um, but I, I just part, thought that yeah. was cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it feels like. Uh, it, it does. It does feel like it was a movie made for the place that it was filmed in. I like that. It's also like at an end, the definitive end of this era of ships, like, you know, the Iowa classes in many respects were obsolete when they were laid down because, you know, they were built prior in the build up to World War Two. And no one knew the aircraft carrier is actually going to be the thing that is the, the crown jewel of the fleet. Everyone considered that, like these battleships and the concern and fear over Japan building these new battleships that eschewed the like weapons restrictions that the other great powers designed to like led to like this, you know, um, right. Like, like at the very end of their existence when they're obsolete, they made the biggest, best, most powerful warships of all time. These, these Iowa class and they're legitimately impressive. I mean, I love it. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a big sucker for, for naval shit. And it's not just the old wooden boats. That's my favorite, but I love submarine shit. I love battleships shit. I love aircraft carrier stuff. It's really cool cool but like there's this line when um you know they're decommissioning it and this reporter is saying like uh you know the the mighty missouri her awesome weaponry to be removed and broken down never to be fired again and i love it that in this movie every single one of this system this the ship's weapon systems is used including Mm -hmm. its giant 12 inch gun yeah and i just yeah like i just i think that's a really cool detail um and there's a lot of really good, like just battleship porn, just loving shots, swooping over these things, hulls, watching it slice through the water, firing all of its big and, and small weapons and launching all of its missiles. It's I think that's just really cool. Oh, yeah. They use every part of the ship uh, in this movie, including the. So maybe you understand this a little better than I do. I only saw this movie once. I'm not familiar with uh, naval terminology. I'm not familiar with ships in general they put these crew members in some location that is meant to flood is that correct or is capable of being flooded i guess if you i, I don't think it's meant to be flooded but it's capable of being flooded by you know okay because i know on ships there are things like ballasts and then it keeps everything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know floating in the right direction and shit i i don't know anything yeah. about that um but i thought it was interesting that they were using parts of the ship as like not torture devices, but as like ticking time bombs for the main character, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's smart that like, uh, I thought that it's, it, that's the other thing is it feels like someone did the research and like, if you were going to take over a, this, this big battleship, uh, how would you do it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, having the second in command be, uh, a, a, a traitor, um, have, and these, these are all the, I, I, these, we haven't really gotten to spoilers. This is all stuff that's in the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. But like, you know, um, using a big party as a guise to bring in a lot of off ship personnel yeah. and having like 40 or 50 people being able to buffalo several hundred, you know, naval and, and marine 
um, personnel and get them just like before they even know what's happening, just get them ushered down below the waterline, weld them into these compartments, and then they're they're done. Then you've used it as a mop up operation from there. I thought that stuff made a lot of sense and seemed very plausible, mm-hmm. um, especially if you've got like a CIA a- agent who's been given assets by the government to do things like steal a ship. That's, you know, in in, in, in the pre movies history, Tommy Lee Jones steals a North Korean uh, submarine. So, like, you know, he can do it. Um, I, I, I thought that was that was pretty cool, too. But I, I do wonder. Did I answer it? Well, I, I guess ahead. I guess you kind of answered it. Yeah. Um the I do wonder like what the regulations are around surprise parties because so much of this is predicated on the idea of hey uh, forget about normal regulations because of course we can't do it we're trying to surprise the captain right you can't tell the captain right. about this stuff uh, right and that's how they kind of get all their people on board I I wonder what the actuality of that is in the military do they let people throw surprise parties is that a thing. Probably not, but also I kind of believe that like if a second officer just throws his weight around and just leans on people and like, look here, sailor, if you want to ruin the captain's birthday party, that's your fucking problem. But if you're wrong, guess what? I'm going to break your goddamn career. (laughs) It's believable for sure. Although the thing that weakens that is apparently this XO has a long like has a, a months or maybe even year long like sudden aberration of behavior like you know you see the captain's file saying that he's increasingly belligerent towards the crew and he's so like maybe they, they shouldn't I think they could have dialed back the boost the Busey crazy I know that's like asking the bus and speed to slow down a little bit. <laughs> But like, I do think it would have been better if he was more ideological than just insane. It, well, that's the thing. He is in this movie, right? There, there's a lot of like, you know, the, despite there, there are scenes of him uh, cross-dressing and acting a bit like a maniac uh, in yeah. some of those scenes. But this is like a six on the Busey scale, the Busey crazy scale. It's true. It's true. Uh, he, uh, I don't know if this is post motorcycle wreck that apparently changes behavior and personality or not, but, uh, ha- so they have a whole bunch of like, they really, um, oh, you know what? I guess if, if people are, so we can get fully into spoilers. Um, if you don't know what this movie is about, uh, Steven Seagal, ex Navy seal, he's now a cook for reasons that you'll come to appreciate. Uh, it's the last voyage of this battleship that's going to be decommissioned and turned into a museum museum ship. Um, the captain has a birthday party scheduled and they there's some corrupt members of the crew combined with a crazy CIA analyst that has, you know, been deemed a threat to national security, decide to take over the ship and sell its nuclear weapons. It has, a, I think, eight uh, nuclear tipped cruise missiles going to try to sell those to the highest bidder on the open market. Uh, and only Steven Seagal, the the ex Navy SEAL turned cook, can can possibly save the ship. I wonder if he's going to make it. Um, but they they uh, they check offs drag show this so hard. Like there's a whole <laughs> bunch of things like in like when I saw it the second time or be- they're they're teasing Busey about you better get in your dress uniform, better get in your dress uniforms. Like well, yeah. I got my dress, but I forgot my pumps and my quarters. Uh-huh. I'm like okay, ha 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 ha. Then when he's talking to Erica, you know, getting Mister Lie ready to get dressed, he's like, and I'm gonna go get my dress on. And then he just it just it just does it. Like Busey comes out yeah. in full on drag. It's pretty and hilarious. I don't, 
I don't I don't know if this is because like, you know, this movie is got its, you know, share. Uh, I think there's they got the F slur in there. Mm-hmm. Is there a little like kind of a tiny bit of like trans panic here? Like wearing women's clothes and, and trying to pretend to be a woman is a manifestly deviant behavior. Um, it didn't it wasn't played that way. It's played like, a you know, uh there's this uh, there's, there's this just a uh, picture went around on Twitter last week of uh, U.S. Navy servicemen uh, loading a gun, I guess, in a pitched duel with the J- Imperial Japan fleet. And they were all in drag because they were doing this talent show involving them all wearing drag. So like this is yeah, this is going back. This is like f- shit gets weird on the on the waters, man. Uh, For sure. You know, one of the histories of the, the Royal Navy is called rum, sodomy and the lash. Like thing things like there's a lot of weird historical shit that that does the Navy. So so I couldn't tell if it's just that or if they were going for like uh, he's wearing women's clothes. This guy's fucking crazy certifiable. Yeah, that's the thing. They they were definitely coding him as a bad guy. Uh, but for me, it wasn't the the drag stuff that was doing it. They were coding him by using that f word uh they were coding him by mm-hmm. uh have having him do things against uh regulation right that um mm-hmm. like getting the captain to stay in his quarters getting these other guys to go do this thing that would have them kind of out of the way for whatever he was planning you could tell it was coming um and him just being the stickler about everything right and also having this like tense relationship with the cook who's the star of the movie um, there, there's a lot of coding stuff that goes into that. Uh, but yeah, for me, it wasn't the the drag thing. The drag thing was hilarious uh, when it happened and, and fun. Yeah. It wasn't something yeah, that I took yeah, as yeah. sinister, but maybe they intended it to be. I don't know. And honestly, I didn't even know. Like I when, when I was watching this, the first thing uh, I saw Gary Busey, and I didn't think, oh, villain. I thought he is kind of like a by the book kind of guy. Yeah. And he's obviously like got some jealousy for this cook that he doesn't understand his bad. And I, I thought that there was um, my first thinking was that like, oh, well, this is going to be where Seagal and Busey have to team up to repel this terrorist. And they're going to have a grudging respect for each other. You know, it's kind of like. uh um, you know, uh, t- t- like the anchor man, you know, it's like, I hate your fucking guts, but God damn it. I respect you like seen at the end. No, uh-huh. apparently that, 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 that all ended when Busey, you know, sh- shot the captain to death. Um, that was going to be a, 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 no longer possible, but like, I, yeah. I, I didn't see those things as being coded villainy. Just like he's coded mm-hmm. as a kind of a stickler or like a by the book XO, which, you know, you, you a lot of times pair those guys up with more soft natured captains, you know, I guess so much of the early movie was just taking place on this one boat that I was yeah. starting to get antsy looking for the bad guys. Right. And it's because gotcha. they hadn't presented me with any outside bad guys. I started to think, OK, who's the bad guy here? How are they portraying each of these characters? Now, Tommy Lee Jones shows up in a helicopter as a rock musician. And there's your you, he, he's <laughs> bad. There's your bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is like um, if you've only seen Tommy Lee Jones and like No Country for Old Men or Man in Black, Men in Black or The Fugitive, you you like know him as this like very stoic, you know, fast talking every hen house, outhouse, fox house you know that gear um but he's also got this fucking crazy unhinged gear that mm-hmm. he flexes in like this movie especially in uh batman forever when yeah. he gets to be uh two-face natural uh, born killers is another that he, lets him yeah. really unload 
he has this kind of like just fun, unhinged, manic type of energy. Um, and it really comes out in this, like when he starts quoting this Looney Tunes stuff in the third act, when Seagal's really starting to get to his goat and just mm-hmm. uh, Tommy Lee Jones has a little bit of that Gary Oldman from like the professional, you know, uh, okay. where yeah. he's just as prone to shoot somebody as he is to break out in song. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of like, I don't know where the stereotype came from, but this is very, I, I've run across the stereotype of like the jeans wearing flip flop, maybe acid tripping CIA agent analyst. Like, yeah. you know, they were a different breed. I see, I see, I've seen this in like some Tom Clancy novels too. Like they're like, you know, they're just different breed, man. They think different. They got, they're like creative and you know they're it, it's kind of like the way a lot of times special forces guys are portrayed in modern movies it's like you know they don't do the regulation haircuts man they they got unapproved uh weapons and tactics and they don't they don't get along with the rank and file they're a different breed uh, I, but i felt like he really suited that kind of like yeah. master of the universe sees sees himself as the guy moving the pieces on the chessboard and not a piece on the board himself um and it's pretty good main villain. And it's just an excellent villain name. Stranix is mm. just such a good. I mean, it's, it's certainly better than Gary Busey's name in this movie, which is Commander Krill, which uh-huh. sounds like the it sounds like the lead in one of those like sci fi fantasy movies where the poster has a dude with more pecs than shirt on it and a spaceship yeah, yeah, in the yeah, background yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. Where Stanix is like it does uh sounds like some kind of nerve gas that's gonna be stolen in the rock a couple of years from yeah. now. You know, like, oh it's Stanix two. Just just one milliliter will dissolve your skin and liquefy your bones. Like, yeah, it's it sounds frightening. Mm-hmm. Like a super weapon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The other thing that we frequently talk about when we get a film with Tommy Lee Jones. It's a poor man's face. Uh, I don't know what happened between this and like no country for old men. But he is still recognizably has a human face. Uh, It is not (laughs) not become a catcher's mitt made of buttholes uh, or whatever else that we've, you yeah, know, a guy who's tasted the false grail. Pottery students uh, failed final project. Pottery yeah. students failed. Yeah, failed. Pro- <laughs> like, I, I don't know what happened, but he's he's still, you know, still, still, still fairly smooth in this. Yeah. I mean, OK, okay. the man was born in 1946. So right. this is 46 years after his birth. He's he's not mm-hmm. looking crazy craggy for a 46 year old uh, I, i'll be happy to look that good i guess when i'm 46 yeah uh, seven years from I, now i don't know man i i i don't i don't like if, if you go like i said if you if you if you go outside right now start staring at the sun for three hours a day with no sunscreen uh every day you might catch up to him get, like one of those like sun directors those reflectors yeah you get the kids so, so you get like uh 
Yeah, like those uh, sodium reactors they have out in the desert. You get just like all that concentrated sun power, point it right at your face. You might catch up in six years. I don't know. Well, it's, it's partially know. his ears, too. Right? That's the other thing. He has the very, very long old man ears, like mm-hmm. borderline uh, Grand Negus style ears. Yeah, yeah, there's something there's there's something in the cartilage or collagen. Uh, mm. There's either too much, not enough. I'm not sure. The foundation is bad. The whole building is sinking. Uh, but but it's like there's still the you know there's there's no there's no trace uh, of the the ravages to come uh, here in '92. How's how's that uh, how's it going getting uh, Tommy on the show? Is he willing to do an interview yet? Uh, with Bald Move, yeah. uh, I don't think he knows who we are. And if he did, he'd just be angry. So probably not. <laughs> okay, right. probably not. Um. What do you think of uh, whether this was uh, a role that was inserted by Seagal or it was in the original cast? What do you think of Miss July? Um, because I feel like the movie would be better and hold up more if she's not in it. I think they should have made Raymond Cruz the sidekick in this. That would have been yes. better. Yes. Um, the assistant cook. Oh, my God. Yes. Raymond Cruz's body is probably not as banging. Probably. I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen him in this era, but probably not as banging as as her. But I yeah, I don't know. She really annoyed me at first. The whole backwards baseball cap with the bangs sticking out was killing me. And then that yeah, locker room like scenes and killing people. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was so annoying. But by the end of the movie, I, I don't know. The, the problem with this character is I don't know where the transition happened or why it happened. She just mm. simply changed into an entirely different person by the end of this movie. Right. And somewhere along the way that switch was made, but I couldn't tell you when. Yeah. I, I thought that the locker scene was like the, like where the one part where the humor kind of sorted working, like, you know, him explaining is like, if you keep banging this locker, they're all going to come and kill us. And she you know, he keeps on shutting and it keeps on banging. She's like, I hate being alone. He's like, well, do you hate being dead? Mm-hmm. Like that was actually, you know, I think Steven Seagal letting his like inner dickishness out and that's an authenticity that came to their performance. But yeah. like, I don't know that. And admittedly, a rocking pair of breasts like uh, but it's one of those things where it's like uh, it almost I, I don't know how 92 how that felt, but like it seemed like a throwback to just stick frontal nudity in a movie for five seconds. Just cause, you know, just make sure yeah. we get the hard R. Mm-hmm. Um but your your idea of like Raymond Cruz being a sidekick uh, is a hundred percent. And they they kind of get there anyway because like he Close. manages to free him. Yeah. But like it would have been a hell. I think it'd been a much better movie had they just dispensed with the whole Miss July concept. And uh, especially know. because he starts out you know down in the galley with uh, with Steven Seagal. I I feel like they had a yeah. little bit of banter early on in the movie, and you could have seen them. Uh-huh joining forces here to take on the the bad guys but plus yeah. Raymond Cruz has a excess of charisma and he could have donated a little bit to his cigar and I think that would have worked yeah. a lot that would have worked a lot better right. um but uh also that's the other thing is like they the, the other kind of like uh 80s 90s thing where there is not a hint of this happening throughout the movie but apparently at the end of this movie uh, Seagal and Miss July are in love, or yep. at least she is going to let him slobber all over him and smile about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that like there's not there's not an honest single earning of that at all. It's just, no. you know, yeah. So 
I guess I said I think the movie would held would have held up a hell of a lot better without that. But honestly, I, I saw in a trivia section that there is a claim that like this movie had a high burnout rate in VHS places because that particular part of the movie would get worn out from people rewinding it and pausing it so much. I'm like, oh, my that God. sounds like bullshit. Yeah, that sounds like Steven Seagal claiming that he's immune to blacking out because of this Aikido training. <laughs> right. <laughs> The the big if true. Do you want to tell that story? I, I feel like this oh is the right time God. to do it. All right, we're gonna talk more about Steven Seagal because apparently he likes to boast. We talked last week actually in Bloodsport about uh, a, a confrontation that supposedly happened at uh, whose house was it? Shit, I can't remember. Stallone's house uh, down in Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you know J- JCVD and Seagal were getting into it and. Seagal ran home because JCVD was actually challenging him uh, or making him, you know, put up or shut up. So apparently that happens here uh, again. This is not an isolated incident. A lot of people, including like stuntmen, I think is is what happened here. Uh, one of his stuntmen got fed up with St- Seagal, like talking shit and actually like hitting other stuntmen and maybe himself during uh, filming, like intentionally hitting them. Another is multiple multiple attestations that Steven Seagal either intentionally hits uh, stuntmen or takes his stunt practice so la- uh, so not seriously, which is another thing I've I've uncovered a lot in this this badass series that he just hits him a lot accidentally. Right, and it's hard to tell sometimes if he's being an asshole or uh, a fool. Um, mm-hmm. And so he's also running his mouth all the time, right? Like, oh, I'm I'm a keto master, and he is. You know, there's no disputing that. But also, he claims that he's immune to being choked out uh, because he's got this fancy training. And so, uh, just one of the stuntmen's like, "All right, well, let's let's test this." You know, if you think you're such hot shit, uh, let's try it. And so Seagal stands there. The guy locks him up and knocks his ass out. To the ground, and apparently, mm-hmm. <laughs> when he did knock him out, he shit his pants. Is what they're saying. Mm-hmm. He he released his uh-huh. bowels. Uh, and, and you know, later on, Seagal's like, "No, nah, no, nah, that that didn't happen. I didn't shit myself." And <laughs> I love uh-huh. what Ronda Rousey says about him later. She's like, "Because I know, guess I, this stuntman is one of Ronda Rousey's uh, trainers, so she has some some yeah. affection for him." Right. And everybody's like, you know, throwing around this rumor. And, and she says, well, you know, if 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 he's so tough or whatever, he'd come at me and I'll make him shit his pants again. <laughs> I don't know. It's, boy, Steven Seagal, it's got to be ego, right? Like uh, he has such a big ego that people just want to want to see him brought down. I don't know, because so many yeah, people talk like- so much shit about him. I don't he's a he's a contradiction. So this man's like an environmentalist and animal lover. Uh, He's also a spiritual man. He's really into Buddhism. Uh, Mm -hmm. Apparently, he's attained the rank of some kind of reincarnated uh, uh, Buddha type monk. This is very controversial. It happened in the late 90s. Some people accused him of like uh, donating so much money to this kind of like slightly corrupt temple that they just essentially made him a little miniature God. And some people are like, well, it's like they just, that this is, he just got reincarnated. But like, if he actually wants to attain the throne of this guy's, but then he has to do blah, blah, blah. But like, there is a little something that like went from this guy who is a nature lover, wants to protect animals, is very concerned about the treatment of people in Tibet to like a modern day 
uh he's you know come out reactionary in terms of like you know he was not a big fan of players kneeling for for protesting police brutality he cons- uh he's got a citizenship to russia on the back of him saying that vladimir putin is the greatest politician in the world and he's like gotten associated with like some far right russian and serbian groups like he started even though he's got no police training whatsoever he claimed to have passed like some kind of la police training back in the 90s the the police academy said we've never had a student named or looking like steven seagal but he had a whole we have never had, had a, a whole student TV with a ponytail seri- yeah he had a whole tv series where he's essentially doing uh louisiana cops and yeah. if you know anything about the cops of louisiana it's not, I don't know. Like where, where did he, how did he get here? And I, it, it's gotta be ego. Like, yeah. you know, he just, nothing can ever change his mind other than his own knee jerk reaction to something. And it seems like that's, uh, he also like had this promising action career that he kind of threw away because he couldn't stop injecting his politics into his work, which, Hey, I got some sympathy for that. But like, you know, it kept on leading him like I guess the the last big uh, movie he did. Um, God, which one was this? Um, whatever. Maybe it's on deadly ground. Uh, he delivers like a five minute environmentalist monologue at the, at the climax of it that was like widely lampooned. I, I don't know. It's like the hmm. guy just can't get out of his own his own way. Yeah. Uh, and I hear some even worse stuff about him other than just bad politics uh apparently from starting in the early 90s to present day there are a lot of sexual harassment claims against him just a yeah. ton yeah, um, yeah yeah so yeah it seems like all around he's got a big old ego which he may or may not be able to back up and also uh seems like a pretty nasty guy yeah, and the thing is, like he, like, uh, like he exited his twenties with a legitimately impressive career, and I don't know whether it's like one of those things where you, um, just like keep on, you know, pitting blackjack and you start believing your own hype or what. But like, it does seem to make him a very difficult guy to have a relationship with, and uh, you know, especially at the the guys that uh, like stuntmen, coordinators, stuff like that, just really seem to fucking hate him. Uh. Yeah, not hardly anybody has any good in like in Hollywood has much good to say about him. So what are you going to do? It'll uh, make it interesting when we go to rank him on the badass scale uh, on yeah. our live stream. Yeah. And it also like um, in, in terms of the sexual harassment stuff, like this is not something unique to him as an 80s, 90s badass. Mm-hmm. Like there's a fair amount of like accused accusations of sexist pig type behavior and almost all the big names like, you know, Arnold had the. A housekeeper scandal um you know van uh, van damme has got tons of women who's like i don't think anyone's like you know said that there's any kind of sexual assault or rape but like the fact that he's just kind of like a creep and a pig is pretty well attested to and yeah. his treatment of, of 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 women and any person that he doesn't see as uh something that he can get something out of or needs to get something out of um mm-hmm. and that's that's unfortunate but it's uh, just of our four that we've talked about here in this podcast series. I think Seagal seems to be the worst of the bunch. The only one that had like a 25 paragraph section of the numerous assaults and allegations yeah. uh, against him and settlements. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know what? He's also the only uh, only uh, only one of the four that we've considered that literally ripped a man's throat out with his <laughs> bare hands. Yeah. 
That was pretty cool. You know, I, I thought that was a MacGruber joke. Um, but apparently this, this all comes back to Seagal because he just unironically puts a dude in a joint lock and then grabs his throat and then ta- like just rips a strip of bacon out of it. And the guy dies. Yeah, it's probably the coolest thing in the movie. I don't There are two There's like a- cool things that Seagal does. One of them is rip the man's throat out. The other is yep. put his thumb through Tommy Lee Jones eye and then put Tommy Lee Jones head through a radar panel. Yeah, and after he did the zombie kill of the week uh, with the you know Bowie knife right right into his his cranium, um, he yeah. also bandsawed a dude in the oh, uh, yeah. ship's machine shop. That was pretty one of those things where it's like I wonder if they cut that because it it looked like it was just getting going and then it cuts and mm-hmm. I wonder if like that was going to be like an X rated deal like if you take him all the way the through like a table off. saw. Maybe because like it was oh, one of those weird and I, maybe that's why all the fight scenes kind of when they get going were a little bit disappointing because maybe there was, you know, some connective scenes that were going to get him an X rating because he just ripped too many throats or just too much fucking blood and gristle. I, I don't understand. I don't understand how the MPAA rates this stuff because like n- none of this stuff like would even raise the pulse of a Hellraiser or Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday. So like why in an action is the like, I don't know. It's like they, they, they grade sex and violence on a scale and, and, a, and a genre kind of thing. And I, I just never, ne- never been able to figure it out. Yeah. You know, that makes me think the one thing that I would really love to see that I've never seen is one of these fight scenes inside a woodworking shop. Cause God, that <laughs> if you just went full gore with that, that could be mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Have table saws, band saws, <laughs> drill presses, and they're all yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah I can yeah. see Scenes. somebody just stepping into the room, flipping the switch, and all the machinery coming to life. Them sure. looking around. This is a gore a heaven. Yeah, uh, table sander. Even even the shop back man <laughs> just sucks suck someone's yeah. eyeball out. Just shove it right in their eye socket. God. It just gets, oh, just I want to see it. Down. Yeah. Somebody make that well, movie. All right, we've got, we've got to bring Arnold back for one more. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh, let me ask you about that workshop, because there is a workshop on the boat, and that makes sense mm-hmm. to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a shitload of rail. Where do they get all this rail? Do they bring it out on the chopper? <sighs> do they have, like, a bunch of, uh, you know, struts and shit hanging out on the ship in case they need to repair large sections of it? I've heard, and this is comes this is entirely from, like, Tom Clancy shit, that, like, anything bigger than, like, well, almost every ship has a fairly well-equipped machine shop, and part mm-hmm. of that is, like, just tons and tons of, like, blanks, what they call blanks, like, big steel cylinders you can lathe down and make pistons out of, and big, like, you know, this this thing has 16-inch thick armor, and you're expected to be able to repair anything that would go wrong at this and get it ready to get back in the fight while you're at sea. So I didn't, yeah. I, I, I had that question too. And I don't know, but like, yeah, I guess they'd have that much pig iron just lying around because what the hell were they supposed to like, if you get a hole blown in your armor and you got to like patch up that superstructure, what are you going to do? So yeah. I think they do. They have really well equipped like machine shops on aircraft carriers, destroy anything bigger than a destroyer, essentially. Which to um, me means all you got to do to stop the, to foil this plan is just kill their their welders, kill their machine shop, right? Crew, right? Yeah, the skilled technicians. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and it would be a, it'd be very easy to sabotage this stuff because it's all like improvised thing like you know just get a settling torch and cut six inches you know six feet out of it and boom your rails broken again and they did like i thought that was um the idea that like six guys that knew that really knew the boat and what they were doing could lead this kind of guerrilla resistance i thought was effective there's a couple things mm-hmm. where like so this thing's night it's a big ship it's nine nine hundred feet long but it's only like i don't know 68 feet wide uh, and I was wondering, like, there's these long sections where he's like cooking warheads and making improvised. Th- and I'm like, how is he allowed to do this? Yeah. Like, how long would it take this with 30 dudes to search a complete ship? And maybe it's like at that point in the movie, like uh, they're they're down to just 12 guys. I don't. But it just always felt like uh, some of the stuff that he was like sneaking around that that it wouldn't be as effective as the movie kind of lay, laid it out to be. And then conversely. I don't know how the fuck these guys saw this guy floating in uh, his black wetsuit against the black water and the black submarine on a moonless night. How the hell they spotted him splashing in the water and were dredging him with grappling hooks to the extent they they ripped off his back, man. Yeah, I thought he was seriously injured at that point because they show one shot. It's pretty gruesome. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought that's because like when they were starting, I'm like, that's ah, not going to work. And then when they got a piece, I'm like, oh, that's just going to be a duffel bag full of explosives. No, they hooked him. Mm-hmm. They hooked him pretty bad. And uh, that's the one point where he m- has someone gets to drop on him. Cole Meany, you know, yeah, as like uh, somehow I'm the only guy who's got you cornered here and Miss Playmate summer nine uh, you know the 92 or 89 is going to open up on me uh on the deck of this ship and that's it nobody's going to come run and investigate or yeah well, my favorite part of that scene well the the scene where they hook him you know they find him in the water and they hook him and all that mm-hmm. is i'm watching it and i hear somebody shout mamma mia and then the subtitles say speaking in a foreign language. And I'm like, do you not know what language Mamma Mia is? And, yeah. and then they double down on it. It's hilarious. The very next scene or the next part of this scene, the dude calls the guy Luigi and then they put uh-huh. that same tag up. And I'm like, come on, this is obviously Italian. I wondered I wondered what you thought of the very Italian <laughs> sub engineer. <laughs> Mamma I mean, mia, this thing's so fucking Luigi. No yeah, I don't know. It is I what it seen, is. Like, I haven't seen steel bent this bad since my mama made Laguini. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like <laughs> right. he's very Mar- Mario and Luigi down there. I mean, he's literally Luigi. Um, yeah. Uh, he is literally Luigi. Yeah. The, the yeah. funniest part, though, is they won't identify the language. They're just like, no, this is some foreign language that no one can yeah, identify. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is yeah before all the super. No, actually, no. I guess, like I said, maybe people are familiar with the Italian stereotype accent. I, I think, think yeah, so. In the nineties, yeah, some lazy subtitling is what it was for sure. Um, and then Tommy know, Lee Jones, man, when they fire that gun and it blows Tommy Lee Jones across the deck, that mm-hmm. was impressive. What? Are you so- wait, what? Yeah, I remember they're firing oh, at the sub. Oh, yeah, when they fired a 12-inch. I, I thought you meant, like, literally, like, he got on a shell and got flown across. But, like, <laughs> and I'm like, did was I oh, taking notes and something? But, you know, when, yeah. like, the, you know, I imagine those big guns fire. Like, um, I've seen pictures and videos of it when they're firing those 12-inch guns. And yeah. it, like, makes a spherical depression in the water. Yeah. Like, it just, like, just shockwave. Just, 
hollows it out the shockwave of this thing it must be the loudest goddamn thing you've ever heard it drives him uh, insane these- right that's the thing like what when the gun fires it kind of like knocks him <laughs> senseless a little bit and he runs down and he starts talking I, about looney the, tunes and yeah that and the fact that like i think that's where he realizes that he is not the person moving the pieces on the chessboard but he himself is a piece because like that was it's game over once the sub and it is a whole it's it's a pretty funny shot like the idea that you're going to take the biggest gun in the Iowa like these shells it's like shooting a Volkswagen at something man mm-hmm. and like they just they just just demolish this thing uh this this submarine and like it's kind of yeah like you just hear this almighty sound your money maker your ticket out of here your salvation your actual plan just goes up and he loses his fucking mind yeah starts talking about shrimp and lobsters and looney tunes and he launches the the tomahawks right the two of them with the the nuclear tips uh and they're talking about like oh well if these things actually hit hawaii we'll blame it on the cook they're over in the war room, like it. saying, "I'll blame it on the cook." Dude. What are you talking about? Like, is there's an admiral sitting across the way from you who knows what's up? He's going to let this happen. The CIA can just say it's so, and the Navy will go along with it. Probably, actually, yeah. I mean, but but I I I had a big so, but he already a thinks lot of these cuts. guys are incompetent. I mean, yeah, they've been the source of all of the idiocy across this entire movie. Yeah, but what are you going to do? You're going to like, you know, let out that the CIA agent has gone rogue and stolen an Iowa class battleship and a North Korean submarine and has been off the grid for six months and you have seen fit to keep. I mean, yeah. it's a scandal. There's like, you know, it's <laughs> for sure. Iran Contra. It's going to be some kind of cover up. Yeah. Um, I did think this movie suffered also from the cuts, both like budget cuts from before they started shooting and like cuts that they made afterwards, because apparently I think you can surmise this. Um, It was very crystal clear for me in my second time that Tommy Lee Jones is the CIA analyst that led to the disastrous intelligence that led to Steven Seagal's unit being all but wiped out in Panama. Mm. Like. Uh, and you're I think you're supposed to understand that he is the superior officer that was punched out and caused him to be court, you know, like court martialed and busted down. OK, to a cook. that's why they have that scene where it's like I haven't seen you scene, in a long time or whatever. Yeah, apparently there was like a like before the movie kind of scene, like a James Bond action scene of that Panama raid and it going badly and then him confronting Tommy Lee Jones and having the altercation. So that makes sense later on. And it kind of sort of does, but I felt like they could have done what this. This is a pretty trim hour 45 with credits. Yeah. You could have used another five or 10 minutes to like make these. And I, I think the movie would have been better for it. Um, Doing it up front seems a little weird, though, because you want part of the surprise of bad Billy being the bad guy. You want that, that at I, the beginning? I and guess, that would kind of because like, I don't think he's fooling anyone, though, like when they when, yeah. when they come in. Maybe, maybe you're right. Uh, it it would have given up that game, and if the, if they were going for something there, it would have not worked. Um, yeah, and maybe yeah, Seagal just couldn't couldn't like handle a serious scene. Like you know, you want uh, <laughs> right more than three you, lines you, of dialogue. You want John time. Rambo having an anguished conversation with his former commander, and you're going to get Steven Seagal just smirking his way through this shit. I I, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I wish I wish they'd done something because there is a couple things that just made the stuff not really make make sense. 
And then the um, standard thing they do, we, you talked about it with Cole Meany when he gets killed. He's just kind of standing there. Although he's, he's pretty good. Um, they don't have that character being incredibly stupid because he's actually like raising his gun after like one line. He says something to to Seagal and raises his gun to go kill him. And then, you know, mm-hmm. Miss July shoots him in the back. But then right. Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, my God. His character goes on and on and on. And he's circling him with the gun pointed. He wants nothing more than the death of this man who's caused his his plan to fall to shit. Mm-hmm. And now he's not shooting him when he has the opportunity. You know, the standard action movie shit that they always do. Also, it's just like I, I don't I didn't buy Tommy Lee Jones as a credible physical threat. Like mm-hmm. once it got knife to knife and I, oh, I guess yeah. it was pretty a one sided fight. But like, look, man, CIA analyst is not going to be able to defeat an ex Navy SEAL operator in a knife fight. I'm just not having it, man. Yeah. Like they're not the same skill set. You know, this guy is is. Much higher, you know, he's he's, you know, he's just he's just that's not that's not what he does, I guess. Um and also, he looks like Tommy Lee Jones and, and Steven Seagal for, you know, all of his faults is a physical monster. He's like, I think, six foot four and oh. like probably 240. Like he's a he's a big, imposing dude. Yeah. So like once it got to be the knife fight stage, I'm like, well, this is just ridiculous. Like and I, that's a flaw of a lot of 80s films that um, they didn't quite have a compelling bad guy, but they also needed the catharsis of the, the good guy put in the bat. And I, I'm thinking like of literally all of the opposition in Commando. Um, right but the that that's like a, a big a big problem where it's like when you get to the big bad guy well he's like the brains of the operation it's not like skeletor where he's like the most powerful mm-hmm. guy on the or like fucking megatron you know megatron and and this is this is yeah this this is he's not like the final boss he shouldn't be but they have to because the conventions of the genre yeah they, they should have I mean, let they should they should have been. They should have been like a, a mano a mano with Gary Busey. That'd have been better. Even Cole Meany, yeah. I would have bought that because he's like a commando in this movie. Um, I think he's like a ex SAS guy, maybe or something. Huh, so okay. like, okay, yeah, and but that guy's a pretty, you know, Cole Meany, um, is a pretty beefy dude. I'd 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 buy them having a, a commando off, but Tommy Lee Jones, nah, 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 nah. Yeah, uh, Die Hard gets that right. Die Hard's got, you know, the the final villain being the brains of the operation, but he, it's just a dude fighting him, right? It's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who, who are you going to pair off with Arnold to make it believable uh, that this guy could contest the Mr. Universe? Yeah, it's it's tough because a set of people that can do that and also have any kind of acting charisma, like I would go for professional athletes. You yeah. know, I'd go for like defensive linemen for the Los Angeles Raiders back in the day or something like that because yeah it's it's tough it's tough when you guys got the guy guys got that beefy uh-huh. there's always Dolph Lundgren sure always Dolph Lundgren if you if you need a, a big beefy he man to to be your arch villain yeah um what else do we want to talk about there's a couple like uh things that really put this movie of a place uh George H W Bush does hmm. that C N C Music Factory <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Oh my God! As soon as that mo- that that song starts up, I'm like, back in 1992, you know. For sure. Um, a lot of the uh, music is very of that, you know, like pre grunge era. Um, yeah, that's funny. the 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 movie was actually nominated for two Academy Awards, both in sound. One was for sound, and one was for sound editing, um, or, hmm. or sound effects editing rather. So I guess pretty well regarded as far as sound. Uh. 
I'm a little disappointed that Steven Seagal did not try and put any of his own music. Granted, he hadn't written, uh, he hadn't released his two albums that he's released to date at but, that but point. But you know, you know, he had a couple. He had couple some songs demos cooking. Pocket. Oh yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. He had a tape. Yeah, I would have loved because sure. I I don't. It's some he man. He's got some eclectic taste when it comes to music. What is this music type? Is it rock? Is it like jazz? What? What's, it's impossible it to say. Uh, I really? listened to I listened to part of one of his albums. Uh, what is this called? Songs from the Crystal Cave. Yeah, that's the title of the first album. Uh, it and like a some of album. it is like soft rock, Richard Marks type shit, or Eric Clapton. Oh, really? Stuff. And then some of it is like reggae mixed with dance music mixed with oh boy folk song i i don't know how to describe some of it like you should check out the song war and you should check out the song strut they're both god awful god awful reg he had a little bit of rastagallian thing going on for a while really he sure did man yeah you should you should have stopped you shouldn't have fucked with russians just leaned into the rasta thing i think It's wild, man. Uh, I don't know how to describe uh, his music. When the girls start to strut, you could look at their butt, you shouldn't do that. The girl dresses just as pretty, not just there to cover her kitty. When me and bring it up, you better not be back it up. When me and dash it up. I also love the line. I, can, I don't know why this isn't a gif reaction. Uh, Busey uh, still in full drag, but with the wig taken off. So he just Busey with uh, with a hairnet and, full, and and bad makeup delivering the line straight into the camera. Do I look like I need a psychological evaluation? Yeah. So great. So I like how is this? How is that not a popular gif reaction? Um, it's good. There's and there's a, that's some other nice stuff. Like I like the fact that the crew wasn't like was always trying to do stuff too. Like they were like the chief engineer is like rallying them to do like tap out SOS to hope that like a sub or a sonar net could pick them up and uh, seemed then, incredibly you know, they, optimistic. But yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's they're at least trying. They're not just like uh-huh. laying down and dying. I also like the fact that like the crew didn't like meekly go. Like you know they showed like a couple marines and sailors trying to you know rush them, but it it showed how ruthless the mercenaries and how well trained they are. They quickly put it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I really even like the old like retired battleship guys that were like helping Seagal work the radar and like it was like a real team effort to to load these guns and fire them. I thought that was like these 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 old boomer dudes like you know slapping each other on the back for bullseyeing this fucking sub. Yeah. Uh, good good stuff. I was um, trying to get a handle on what the plan was here. So I understand he wants to capture this boat, take mm-hmm. the missiles off, smuggle them out on this right. sub, and then sell them to the highest bidder. And he's talking like, oh, what you gonna do with your two hundred million bucks when you get it? And I'm just thinking $200 million, like, I hope you can spend that fast because you're fucking with the most well-funded, most advanced military on the planet. Yeah. You got the CIA involved. You got like, you're going to have the wrath of God coming down on you to find you. There is nowhere you can hide. This isn't like, oh, you you stole a a 10 grand from your bookie and you you ran out and went to, you know, Bolivia and you're going to just hide out there. This like there, there's going to be a worldwide manhunt for you and you're fucked mm-hmm. like there's nothing mm-hmm. nowhere you can hide. Yeah, 
I hope you're going think, to like North Korea or Russia or something, because that's the only place where you might be able to to have some protection from that wrath. And maybe not even Russia in 92, because they were all in the oh, whole yeah, yeah. that we were all making up and, and uh, making bygones then. True. It it is weird because like I think there's a little bit of cover that like Tommy Lee Jones really thought there's going to be like this worldwide helter skelter only the you know over environmental stuff like he's like ranting and raving about how the UV yeah. radiation and we only got an inch of topsoil. I'm surprised he threw in throwing global warming because that was still something that was <laughs> heating up. Uh, <laughs> that 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 debate yeah. was really heating up in the the early 90s. But like I think he thought that like this was going to be. He's going to because there's always this plan, I think, to new Honolulu, and then mm-hmm. that was going to cripple the Pacific um, like radar and sonar detection. And he's going to be able to make his way. And then the world is just going to literally shake itself apart. Now, I don't know what you do with two hundred million dollars in a global financial and environmental apocalypse, because like that's just fucking money. That's just paper. To wipe your ass with without. Yeah. The United States existing. Do you, do you understand that, Tommy Lee? You weren't you weren't going for all the gold in Fort Knox. You were going for fiat currency. Well, uh, he, he knows that you know when the when the shit hits the fan, people go for toilet paper. That's true. We that's now know this to be true. Uh-huh. So you got two hundred million wipes, and that's that's not nothing. That's <laughs> not nothing. All when once? there's no trees left. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. There's. He's <laughs> gonna need um, a boat. Carry all that cash. I think I got one more other thing. Um, I had in my notes that this, the, they have us this war room uh, that they're always cutting back and forth to where all the generals are freaking out and asking, how can this happen? And who do you know this? And how do you, and do you vouch for Ryback? And what about the, um, and I, I had in my notes that this looks so much like the war room from Dr. Strangelove. And then yeah. I saw that the set designer literally, or and the director insisted on getting this to look as close to this Lovecraft as possible. Um, hmm. or strange love rather, not yeah, yeah. Lovecraft. And I thought it was funny because, like, the other is all the coffee, like uh, what do you call those thermoses or coffee pots, were shaped like ICBM warheads. Uh, <laughs> okay, there's like it's like the, there's a lot of like really, mm-hmm. yeah. It was it, there's a lot of really cool kind of like set details that uh, I started picking up once once I made that connection. But that's fun. A little little. uh you know, Doctor Strange love, and anytime you're you're dealing with the nuclear apocalypse or crisis, like it's it's fair game to cite that uh, as a work. But I, I oh, like yeah. that. The other what thing I got? really liked was oh, uh, Seagal making bombs. Uh, that seemed to be his only move outside of you know aikidoing people. Uh, he made a lot of bombs in this movie, a shitload of bombs. He makes at least three physical bombs, probably one mm-hmm. digital bomb that's like. In 30 minutes, this will take down their weapon system. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes that microwave bomb that I totally forgot about. Like, they did a good job of putting enough distance between him sticking a, a I don't know what it was, a, a glass of gasoline tea in the microwave. With a Brillo pad, yeah. Like, uh-huh. I, I remember as a kid, like, uh, that, that, that people having a debate about whether that would actually work. And I was of the opinion that, like, Nothing you see in Hollywood could ever just because like if it's that easy, if it's like, oh, you take uh, whiskey and vinegar and a Brillo pad and microwave for 30 minutes equals a bomb. They would fucking not show that. Like if it's that easy, every teenager, you know, every other teenager in in North America would be blowing up their fucking kitchen. So (laughs) but yeah, something. 
that and and he makes a bomb on a door with the grenade so that when they come out of the freezer it blows them up he makes a bomb mm-hmm. out of a condom and electrical tape and a steamed gun round i I don't know I what had, he does. He I'm he cooks this to perfection. And, yeah. And then pours the stuff out into the condom. Pours the maple syrup out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what was going on there, but he yeah, he was MacGyvering shit. I don't know. That that yeah. was kind of fun, but it I felt like that was a crutch to make up for the fact that this Aikido stuff just isn't as visually interesting as so much of the other stuff that happens in these badass movies. And again, I, I grant that, but I still it's like it's it's visually interesting enough to stand up for like 30 to 60 seconds of like good full, you know, like like wide angle, like just show up. If you yeah. got a guy that can do the stuff, mm-hmm. film the guy doing the stuff, man, you know, like it, it'd be like uh, in, in Bloodsport if like they only had one spin kick and they cut it off halfway through the kick so you can't actually see him jump or land. It's like, what the fuck? You know, this yeah. guy can actually throw dudes around like nobody's business. Have him throw dudes around. Mm hmm. Well, uh, I'd be remiss to, you know, not talk about the last badass kind of uh, convocation that we're going to have here uh, uh, this this Wednesday uh, to start a working Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash bald move. What we're going to do the last three weeks, we have gone through and blew the dust off the old badass archive and re uh, updated everybody's rankings. We then added a bunch of new names in the last session and tried to rank them appropriately. Now we're going to like riffle shuffle these. We're going to try to put the old and new canon of badasses. We're trying to kind of try to synthesize it into a unified ranking. Uh, you know, uh, where will, will the rock get to the coveted number three spot? Will he be number two? Maybe. Uh, how's Chris Evans going to fare? Um, you know, like the is Robert Downey Jr. a badass because he played Iron Man for like 15 films. Uh, those these are these are these are all questions that we'll have to answer in this final segment um, until the next time. So if you have some opinions on uh, the, the rankings of badasses and, uh, you know, you, you can uh, join us on your cell phone or your work computer or your PlayStation at home on one at 1 p.m. Eastern this Wednesday, please join us. We'd like to have your your voice heard in the debate, but we'll be doing that on Twitch.tv again. This uh, Twitch.tv slash bald move this Wednesday at 1 p.m. Thank you for listening to our silly, super silly series on badasses. God help us. We love them. Um, if everybody likes this, maybe we'll, we, we, we can make this uh, a regularly scheduled feature because I would definitely love more excuses to watch old 80s action films. Uh, but thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you on the next thing until then. I'm Aaron and I'm Jim later on.